Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. Happy Sabbath, everyone. Welcome to Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church. You know, I'm... Every Sabbath, I'm so glad to see so many of you here. And you may wonder, why is Pastor Maurice on the screen and not here today? Well, COVID-19 came close to our circle this week. And even though we were not directly exposed, because we love you so much and because we love you dearly, we decided to stay at home this Sabbath. You know, um, and because we're in this uh, series of the Holy Spirit, uh, I asked Pastor Dennis Smith himself to share a message with us today. It is a recorded message. His title is Emotional Healing. And he will speak to us today later in the service. Uh, and now, as it is at uh, Middletown, we have a tradition to meet and greet uh, those of us who are here, uh, who are present in person, uh, please wave at each other and wave to the camera. And those of you who are watching uh, live on uh, YouTube, please uh, get your phone and, uh, or your electronic device and share a loving message to a Middletown member or friend. So welcome and happy Sabbath. looking at emotional deliverance. In fact, I've had some people tell me that being free of some of the emotional, negative emotions in their life is a greater blessing than even some physical deliverance, though I, I've seen a lot of physical deliverance too. Everywhere I go, whether in the States or out of the States, I find that uh, we struggle, and we're all human beings, we all have some of the same struggles no matter what our nationality. And many of our folks struggle with such things as depression, sadness, heaviness, doubts, fears, uh, panic attacks, uh, critical spirit, anger, pride. I ran across an interesting statement on pride. Ellen White said, this is in uh, Mount of Blessing, page 16. It is the love of self that destroys our peace. While self is all alive, we stand ready continually to guard it from mortification and insult. But when we are dead and our life is hid with Christ in God, we shall not take neglects or slights to heart. We shall be deaf to reproach and blind to scorn and insult. Wow, that's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? But that's where God wants to take us. 
And what I'll be sharing the rest of today uh, will show us how we can be free from these things. Because we could be told over and over and over and over and over again that we shouldn't be prideful, we shouldn't be jealous, we shouldn't be angry, we shouldn't be depressed. But if we don't know how to get through those things, uh, we feel guilty that we're like that. We feel defeated and discouraged. But my good news to you today is you don't have to put up with these things. You could be free from them completely. And the goal of deliverance in all these cases, whether it's emotional deliverance or physical deliverance, is to remove the obstacles that are in our life that are in the way of us growing up into the fullness of Jesus. Because that's the goal again. <clears throat> Remember the theme, I've kept quoting the text in, in 1 John 3, 2 that says, when he comes, we shall be like him. And remember, the, the Greek word for like is just like him. Just like him in character, just like him in life, just like him in ministry. And that's the goal that God has for us. And I think that's why God is bringing us to an understanding of these things. Because now's the time. We've got to understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've got to understand how we can be victorious over temptation. We've got to understand how we can be free emotionally from the negative oppressions in our life. And we've got to experience it so that we can be a part of that generation that's ready for Jesus. So I think it's in his prophetic time clock that this is happening. As I mentioned earlier to you, there was a time in my ministry that for many, many years I'd pray with folks for physical healing, for emotional healing. You know, someone that's depressed, for instance. You pray with them, and next time you see them, they're about the same. You talk to them on the phone, and you're depressed after you hang up. And uh, I, you know, it's frustrating as a pastor because the gospel is supposed to have some power somewhere there, but um, I didn't see it. And the very first individual, after I came to understand these things in the Holy Spirit, uh, the very first individual I prayed with, uh, a young man who had become a Seventh-day Adventist to a Revelation seminar, and he was clinically depressed on medication. He didn't like the side effects of the medication, so he'd kind of be off and on it. And he even tried to commit suicide twice. But I shared these things, and we prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, he told me later, he said he didn't feel anything either when we first prayed. But on the way home, he said he started feeling a joy in his heart. And he started just singing Christian songs and, and praising God. This started happening within him. And then he began being free of the depression that was in his life. Now, he had to, be, he had to come to understand the weapons of his warfare. Because Satan doesn't lay down and play dead. <laughs> He'll keep trying to attack. But if we understand the weapons of our warfare, then we don't have to be overcome by his attacks. And that's what I've been sharing with you through this weekend. And I shared some things this morning about the weapons of our warfare and overcoming temptation and sin. And I'll be talking about weapons of our warfare here for overcoming emotional oppressions as well. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, is the foundational text for freedom from emotional oppressions and why we get them also. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. Paul here tells us, Be angry, but don't sin. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. It's not a sin to feel momentary anger. But it is a sin to hang on to it. You and I have no right to be angry at anybody, no matter what they did to us. Sometimes we think they were so bad to us that they don't deserve forgiveness. Neither do we deserve forgiveness from God. But forgiveness is at the core of emotional healing. Because Paul says here, if we choose not to let go of the anger, which means we continue to be angry and hold on to an unforgiving attitude, then we'll be given place to the devil. Now that place that its other translations say will give him a foothold in our life. Now I'm not necessarily talking about devil possession, but I'll say, I'll definitely say devil oppression. And it could lead to devil possession as well. You see, when we hang on to anger, and it's human nature to do that, by the way, when we get severely hurt by somebody and we hang on to anger, sometimes we get a certain, I call it a dark pleasure, out of chewing on it. Thinking about what they did, and, you know, that anger. But what it is, it's like you taking poison and waiting for them to die. That's what's going on. So you see, when God asks us to forgive, it's not necessarily for their sake, it's for our sake that we forgive. It's, it's, it's necessary. But what happens in life, and, and often in childhood, we get severely hurt. Something happens. Maybe several things happen. We grew up with abusive parents, verbally abusive, physically abusive, sexually uh, abusive. All these things take place in lives. We get deeply hurt, and as we grow up, we, we don't want to hang on to anger. We become a Christian. We, we want to get rid of it. We think we have, but if we have these symptoms, I have learned through the years, these symptoms are symptoms of deep wounds that have not been healed. And these are the symptoms, anger, depression, anxiety, fear, sadness, heaviness, critical attitude, rebelling against authority, pride, getting our feelings hurt easily, thoughts of suicide. What Satan would do, Jesus says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, John 10.10. 10. See, Satan wants to take and steal your happiness, steal your joy, steal your peace. He wants to steal your emotional health, steal your physical health, and ultimately kill you. And so he'll ultimately lead a person to thoughts of suicide. And you'd be surprised, and I won't ask for a hand raised, but as I visit with folks and pray with them, you'd be surprised how many individuals have had thoughts of suicide. Christians. That's not of God. And then it can lead to physical symptoms. Arthritis, autoimmune diseases, fibromyalgia, uh, eating disorders, even self-mutilation, people that cut themselves and you know, do harm to themselves. It's a release of pain. All of these things I'm describing is a release, trying to deal with the pain that's, that's deep inside. Uh, I've read where health professionals say that 80% of the diseases have an emotional foundation, emotional cause. 
before that, a spiritual root. Ellen White seemed to understand that. Volume 1 of the Testimonies, 566, she said, That which brings sickness of body and mind to nearly all is dissatisfied feelings and discontented repinings. They have not God, they have not the hope which reaches to that within the veil, which is as an anchor to the soul, both sure and steadfast. All who possess this hope will purify themselves, even as he is pure. Such are free from restless longings, repinings, and discontent. They are not continually looking for evil and brooding over borrowed trouble. So Ellen White recognized that many of the sicknesses that we suffer with have, again, a, a root in some negative emotional attitudes. And so when we get hurt and we hang on to these, these angry feelings, uh, it gives Satan the right to come into our life and to, uh, to bring on some very negative things. I remember uh, meeting a lady some time ago. I, I knew her as an elderly lady. But years before, she had put her husband through medical school when they were a young couple. And, and then he left her for another woman. And she was very bitter at that. Uh, she was never able to let go of that. And that bitterness and that anger she hung on to. And when I got to know her, uh, she was severely depressed and doubted uh, any relationship with God, uh, did not feel forgiven, uh, could not have hardly any faith to believe that she'd be saved. And it just kept taking her down emotionally. And it, then it took her down physically. She became an invalid and ultimately uh, died, actually, of cancer. I have seen the opposite take place uh, when people begin understanding these principles. One place I was at, a, a lady came for prayer. Uh, she was a young married woman. Uh, she had had abusive parents, and her husband was abusive. She was struggling with sadness, with anger, and depression, struggling with anxieties. And um, she also had some physical symptoms of allergies and some uh, sinus problems that would create migraine headaches. When we went through the principles that I'm going to be sharing with you here, uh, a few weeks later, she wrote this. Uh, Pastor, I have been healed of my allergies and sinuses, which have caused me terrible migraines. But more importantly, my life is being transformed for Jesus. That's the goal. See, goal, uh, Satan wants to keep us bound up in these things, uh, but God wants us to be free. That text that says... If the Son should make you free, you should be free indeed, is true. He will free us. But we have to know how. When I was first coming to understand some of these things, the Lord sort of flashed in my mind a little parable, I guess. I saw a man in, in a, it was, you know how something flashed in your mind so quick. It was like a man was in a dungeon with chains on him, on his legs, and he kept pleading to the, the, the Lord of the castle, you know, free me of these chains. The Lord of the castle seemed totally oblivious to his cries. He saw a key over here, but he didn't think too much about it. He kept pleading to the Lord of the castle. No answer. 
Then one day he, he took the key and he put it on the chains and the lock and the chains fell off. You see, the Lord of the castle had provided the key for the chains to fall off. Jesus has provided the key at the cross for us to be free, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. But we don't understand, you know, we don't know about the keys. Uh, we haven't come to understand that, and, and so what they are, and so we don't know how to take that key and be free. Now, God understands that. And I'm not saying if a person is, is struggling with these severe emotions, it doesn't mean they're lost. It, it means they don't understand uh, how they can be free. And that's what I want to share with you here is how you can be free. Now, Satan and his angels are real. We have to understand that. In Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians 6, verse 12, Paul says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Our enemy is real. Ellen White certainly was aware of that. Great Controversy, page 517. The power and malice of Satan and his host might justly alarm us, were it not that we may find shelter and deliverance in the superior power of our Redeemer. We carefully secure our houses with bolts and locks to protect our property and our lives from evil men. But we seldom think of the evil angels who are constantly seeking access to us and against whose attacks we have in our own strength no method of defense. If permitted, they can distract our minds, disorder, torment our bodies, destroy our possessions and our lives. Their only delight is in misery and destruction. So I want to say, Satan is real. His angels are real, that the evil angels, and they are at war with us. And they want to destroy us. They are not your friend. Uh, they want to take you down any way they can, uh, whether it's uh, spiritually, emotionally, or physically. Now, <clears throat> we don't have to fear them, because over here in Luke, chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, Jesus sent out the 70, and in his name they were ministering, just as Jesus ministered. In Luke chapter 10, Luke 10, verse 17, And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us to your name. I never saw such a thing. And then Jesus said in verse 19, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's Jesus saying that. You in the name of Jesus, have power to walk all over the devil. That's what he says. Many times we feel run over by him. You know, you get up and he runs you down. Get up and he runs you down. 
But the Bible says, what Jesus says, I give you power to tread on the devil. And he says, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Not some of the power of the enemy. Not most of the power of the enemy. Over all the power of the enemy. That's the word of Jesus. So in Jesus' name, we have power and authority over every evil spirit that tries to come upon us. Over all of them. Now, I used to think it was God, the devil, and me. I knew God was above the devil, but the devil seemed to have a lot of, you know, way in me. But according to this, it's God, me, and the devil. It's God, you, and the devil. The devil is under you, if you have Jesus. But what we have to realize is how we can maintain that position. See, the devil's got only one weapon. His weapon's the lie. He's good at it. If he can get you to believe his lie, he's got you. If he can get you to believe that you can't overcome uh, spiritually, you can't come overcome emotionally over this stuff, he's got you. We must believe and not have fear. Whenever we fear, it gives, it's the opposite of faith, and it gives Satan the right to attack us in that area. Job said, what I feared came upon me. Did you know he said that? What I feared came upon me. So whenever we fear something, if we fear some emotional thing or physical thing or whatever, us, we're basically saying, come on, here's an opening. And he will. Now, with us having authority over Satan, <clears throat> there's a little concept here I want to tell you about that a Seventh-day Adventist, maybe we're not used to it, the concept of rebuking. Did Jesus ever rebuke? Yes, <laughs> he did. Ellen White did too. <clears throat> Ellen White said, this is volume 2 of Selected Messages 353. Satan takes possession of minds of men today. In my labors, in the cause of God, I have again and again met those who have been thus possessed, and in the name of the Lord I have rebuked the evil spirit. You have authority. Satan won't leave you unless you tell him to get out. Because <laughs> he wants to stay. Volume 2, Selected Messages, page 353. And of course, remember one time Satan was speaking through Peter. Remember what Jesus said? Get behind me, Satan. Rebuked him. That's in Matthew 16, 23. So, <clears throat> in the area of, 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 uh, of being free emotionally, the Lord is led to what I call the prayer of forgiveness. And this is at the core of, of being free from the emotional oppressions. First of all, in this prayer, we pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because, again, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, faith. Now, the opposite that a person may be struggling with is, is sadness, doubt, heaviness, depression, fear. It's the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. So we pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and ask God to manifest the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Number one. <clears throat> and number two... In this prayer of forgiveness, in the name of Christ, you have the authority to command that any spirit of anger, spirit of bitterness, and the unforgiving spirit depart. I've about decided these spirits seem to specialize. Don't we, as human beings? We're intelligent beings. God created us. Well, they're intelligent beings, too. They've had a chance to study humanity for a long, long time. 
And I, like I said, I about concluded, I think they sort of specialize in certain areas to attack. <clears throat> so I'm just sharing you what I've discovered from the Word and what I've seen. And so you can, in the name of Christ, command them to depart. Spirit of anger, bitterness, unforgiving spirit. And then I have the individual. <clears throat> and this is very important. And by the way, this is based on James. I'll show you the text, James 5.16. James 5.16, <clears throat> where James says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So this is a, a situation where when I have this prayer time with individuals, I, I do not ask them to give me the details of what happened to them. Because again, it all goes back to being hurt in the past. All of these symptoms I've talked about, the de depression, anger, critical spirit, whatever it is, it all goes back to the root cause of being deeply wounded somewhere in the past. And what this prayer is all about is going to that place and forgiving and releasing it. So in this prayer, I have the person say, and it's important they say it out loud, Father, forgive me for my anger and my bitterness and my unforgiving spirit. And then I have them say, Father, I forgive. And then list by name of relationship. Don't say what they did. You know what they did. But you just list by name of relationship those that God has brought to your mind that's hurt you. I forgive my father, my mother, my, my brother, whoever it is that God brings to mind. You say it. <clears throat> if this prayer goes to the heart, there will be tears. If it's only intellectual, it's a start, but it won't have the deepest impact on the life. But as the Holy Spirit comes, and if the person allows the Spirit to go deep, the Spirit will take the person there, and the person will get back in tune with the pain of that hurt. And when you get in tune with that pain, you feel it, and there's tears, a great release. And then I have the individual say, and Father, I ask you to forgive those I've forgiven. And I ask you to bless them. And that's how Jesus was, right? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And he says, bless those that curse you, despitefully use you. So it's again, following the biblical principle. <clears throat> After the individual has done that, then I have, I have had them list the negative emotions they've been struggling with whether it's depression or heaviness or whatever. And after they've gone through the prayer of forgiveness, then I can take authority in the name of Jesus over those negative emotions that had a right to them because of their unforgiving attitude. But now that door's shut. <clears throat> and I have seen individuals released immediately. It's amazing. <laughs> and it's simple. It's all biblical, and it's simple. It's not complicated. And as another part of the deliverance is, I, I talk to them about things that, that they may have, might have been involved in in the past. You see, everything we do either invites holy angels or unholy angels. And it's a war we're in. Everything we do. 
uh, maybe I first came across that <clears throat> back when I was a, a young man in my second church district. There was a, a, uh, a young woman who had become a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. She'd been on drugs and she'd been in an immoral life before. She became an Adventist and was rejoicing in the Lord. And then her, do- her dad uh, got cirrhosis of the liver and, and was dying. And it took a while for that to happen, for him to die. But she was there every day at the nursing home, and, and it, it drained her emotionally. <clears throat> Satan took advantage of that, and she started losing her hold in the Lord. And she went back to drugs. She went back to the uh, immoral lifestyle, moved in with the guy. She'd come over to my home, and she'd want to get free of this stuff, and we'd pray, and we'd study, but there seemed to be something going on there that she couldn't be free from it. <clears throat> then she came over one uh, Friday afternoon, and she wanted to stay with my wife and I for a while to have kind of a, some boundaries put on her. She knew she needed some, uh, some, some limits there. So we said, sure. And she was sitting there in the kitchen, and I remember she, she looked at me, and, and she said, does something have a hold of her neck? I said, no. And then all of a sudden, she put her arms out, and she began cursing. Every foul word coming out of her mouth. Well, I was a fairly new pastor, and I didn't know what to do. You know, things whipped your mind, put a washcloth in her mouth. I thought of that. And I thought about literally physically throwing her out of the house. You know, those things whipping your mind real quick. And back then, our son was just a little guy, and I told my wife, get, get Scott out of here. I don't want him hearing that. <clears throat> and then the Lord brought to my mind... And I, I took a hold of her arms, and I said, Debbie, pray. Now, she couldn't pray very easily. It was with great effort. All she could say is, I claim the blood of Jesus. But it was hard for her to say that. I, I, I claim the blood of Jesus. She said that over and over. And then we went to prayer. We would pray, and we would go to the promises, like Psalm 34, wonderful promises in that chapter of deliverance. We would pray and read those scriptures. There was a youth meeting that Friday night in our home. The youth came. My wife told them what was going on. They began praying, and the youth leader came along, and he joined me in the kitchen in prayer. And it took uh, several hours, but I could sense the evil. I hadn't experienced this before. I could sense the evil come, and then it would go. And it would come, and it would go. And I never felt more helpless in my life. I realized there was nothing I could do of myself to make this thing leave. The only way I could have this thing leave is depend on Jesus and his word and his promises and prayer. <clears throat> and finally it did. Well, the next night was a Saturday night, and, and she was staying with us, and we went to a movie at the school, as we have sometimes at our church schools. And the movie was a Disney movie, you generally think it was okay, called Shaggy Dog. And in that movie, there was a couple scenes where they talked about witchcraft and black magic. And the moment I heard that and saw that, I felt the evil come again. And I thought, hmm, I better, you know, not stay here. <laughs> so I told my wife and I said, we got to leave. They didn't quite understand at the moment why. And when I went out in the hallway, uh, Debbie was her name, Debbie was out there. And she said she had to get up and leave. And if she had stayed in there, the evil would have been back on her. So as we drove home, there was a little battle going on in prayer because I could sense the evil trying to come back and have it leave. It left. And then uh, she was doing some college work and, and she, uh, we were listening to music one evening. I had the radio on a station that usually got pretty decent music. 
And um, all of a sudden, a song came on. We both looked up at each other, and I went over and turned it off. It was a song, and it was, had an immoral, some immoral stuff connected with it, though it wasn't obvious immoral, like some of the stuff is today. Uh, but if you knew what the song was, it, it, it's connected with immorality. And, um, and we felt the evil come again. So I learned a lesson way back then. As I said, everything we do either invites holy angels or evil angels. And we've got to be careful what we watch and what we listen to, what we read. And uh, that lady, uh, this, this young woman, a few weeks later, it was discovered the man she'd been living with was found hung in the apartment they'd been living in. And she knew if she'd have stayed with him, she'd have been hanging right beside him. That's Satan's goal. But that was my first experience in understanding the authority we have in Jesus to cause Satan to leave. <clears throat> and, I, and I discovered something else there, and, and I share this with folks then whenever we're going through this prayer of forgiveness for them to be totally free. They need to confess. You don't have to get into detail. But if they've been involved in any spiritualistic stuff, any immoral activity, uh, whatever it is, they have to renounce it in prayer verbally. Say, Father, I renounce my involvement in whatever it is, and I ask you to forgive me for my involvement in whatever it is. That shuts the door, and then in the name of Christ, any evil angels that had a right to them because of their involvement in that can be commanded to leave. It's kind of a cleaning of the house, <laughs> if you will. And um, I have seen this many times, scores of times, and I've seen people free completely free. And, and then I, I tell them, once we're done with prayer, I tell them, based on the text in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, where Paul says, whatever is lovely, pure, just, good, think on these things. I tell them, from this point on, you don't talk about or think about what those people did to you that hurt you. It's over. Because if you start talking about it and thinking about it, it'll bring up the old feelings again. It's over. And if they do come to mind, you just simply say, I forgive them, Father. I forgive them for what they did. And so the healing can be a process. It can come quickly, or it may be a process. But you can come to the point where when you think about that individual, there's no pain at all. None. There was a lady in one of the places I shared this. Uh, this was her first Sabbath in a Seventh-day Adventist church. Two weeks before, she had tried to commit suicide by a drug overdose. When she heard these principles and came for prayer, uh, I discovered she had suffered abuse from the past as a child. At 12, uh, 12 years old, <clears throat> she had been sexually molested by a stepfather, and her mother had blamed her for it. <clears throat> that didn't help the relationship at all with her mother. She had been into drugs. She had been into immoral lifestyle. And um, it tried to kill herself. We went through this process. <clears throat> and the release was so intense. And I've seen this before. Sometimes a person almost feels lightheaded. Maybe you've had the experience. You carry a heavy weight in your back. You know, you're hiking. And there's a heavy pack. And you take it off. How do you feel? Ah, you can just about jump a, quite high. <laughs> That's how it is emotionally. 
is that these things are heavy on you. And when a person's freed of it, they actually feel a physical release from it. And when this lady stood up from prayer, she was a little bit dizzy. I had her sit down and explain to her uh, what, what was going on. And by the way, when I share these with you, it's no glory to me. It's all glory to God. The power comes from God. I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where to get food. You can get the food from God. You can get deliverance from God. She wrote this. This was several weeks later. Pastor Smith, <clears throat> my life has made a 180-degree turn. I am finally, for the first time in my life, happy and excited about Jesus and the blessings of the Holy Spirit. Two weeks before, tried to kill herself. That's the kind of deliverance that God wants to bring. And he will bring. It is important. Also, I, I found, if you can do this, I do describe it in one of my books, Spirit Baptism, New Wineskin Fellowship. I, I can only cover so many things with you <clears throat> in these times together. But to enter into fellowship together and to pray for one another. We were not designed to stand alone. You know, there's sort of an attitude in the West, you know, uh, the Western world, you know, independent, I don't need anybody, I can stand on my own. That's not biblical. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another. The Bible says, bear one another's burdens. The Greek word for fellowship is koinonia. And koinonia means we know one another so well that we really know one another's hopes and dreams and struggles and challenges. And we've developed to such a point that we have trust in one another. And when we're struggling, we can share with one another the struggles we're having, and we can pray with one another. And I've discovered there are times we won't experience deliverance until we're prayed for by someone else. God's kind of set it up that way. So <clears throat> I encourage folks to try to, if they're not doing it, become a part of a fellowship group where you really are praying for the Holy Spirit to fill you and, and to guide you. And it's, it's been a blessing. We've been able to do that in, in our home. In Connecticut, we have a group that meet every Wednesday night. We have other home groups going in our church, uh, <clears throat> but it's been a blessing to have one in our own home and, and to try to put into practice these principles. And we've seen some amazing things uh, take place. I mean, in our little group, <clears throat> we've seen some... Uh, and in the next message, I'll share uh, some things on that. We've seen some very powerful emotional healings, and we've also seen some physical healings. <clears throat> One couple both have had diabetes, a uh, young couple, and, and she was brittle. When you go up and down, you just couldn't get it to stabilize, and the doctors were going to put her on a pump, insulin pump. And they felt led by God to, uh, to seek healing. We dealt with some emotional things over a period of time, prayed for them one night, and they both were healed of diabetes. And they've been healed now for several months. We've seen of that group uh, allergies healed. <clears throat> and I've seen, uh, my, I, I've seen uh, tachycardia healed, um, a tumor in the lung healed, arthritis healed, Amorality healed. Uh, more than I could tell you. A lot of healings. Uh, God 
and wants to free us. <clears throat> so I don't know if you have a group like that going, but I would encourage you to, uh, to, try, to try to do that. Um, these teachings may, to a degree, seem a little bit foreign to us. We've not been familiar with them or understood them. But also, sometimes we're influenced by those around us because in 2 Timothy 3, Paul gives us uh, an important warning <clears throat> about the last days. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This know also, <clears throat> that in the last days perilous times shall come. This is not perilous physically, though there, was, there is that. He's really talking about spiritually, perilous to our eternal destiny. And he gives a list of characteristics. And by the way, these are characteristics of professed Christians. Because he says in verse 5, <clears throat> they have the form of godliness. But he says also they, they deny the power from such turn away. There will be those that will, will deny the power of God, the things I'm talking about. But uh, I, can, I can tell you from the word and from experience, the power of God is available to free us emotionally if we want to be free. And <clears throat> do not judge that future generation that's going to be living with Jesus comes by what you see now. Now we're in primarily still in Laodicea, coming out. That generation that's living when Jesus comes are an awesome generation. They will have experienced the power of God as no single generation ever experienced that walked this earth. When it says in Revelation 18.1, the earth is lighted with the glory of God, that means God's glory is being manifest through his people in a mighty way. <clears throat> that generation will be representing Christ and reflecting God's glory in a greater way than any generation that ever lived and they're doing that during the time of greatest darkness in this earth's history. What a contrast. And they will be a generation that is delivered spiritually from all temptation and sin. Emotionally, from every emotional oppression, <clears throat> whether it's depression or sadness, heaviness, doubt, fear, whatever it is, and physically. Now, I'm not saying if a person is struggling again with these things, that they're, they're lost at all. But the only thing I'm trying to do is let us see where God wants to take us as a people, the freedom he wants us to have. And uh, God will let some go to sleep before Jesus comes. He knows what they can endure, what they cannot endure. But to be among that group that's living when Jesus comes, that's going to be quite an experience. Ellen White said, and this is early writings, 227. I saw that if the church had always retained her peculiar holy character, the power of the Holy Spirit, which was imparted to the disciples, would still be with her. The sick would be healed. Devils would be rebuked and cast out. And she would be a mighty and a terror to her enemies. Now that describes the generation at the end time because <clears throat> they will be like that. And the Holy Spirit will be with them. And we will see healings. Don't be afraid of, of miracles. Uh, there's deception, no question about it. But don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. 
you know, there's the true as well. And Satan wants us to be so afraid sometimes of miracles that, that we'll keep ourselves distant from them. But I can tell you from the word and from experience, our God is still a miracle-working God. Amen. It hasn't changed a bit. <laughs> and it's, it's a beautiful thing to see God's spirit moving in life and free people um, spiritually and emotionally and physically. Well, that was something, wasn't it?